Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. Good morning, church. My name is Andrew, and I'm part of the team here at Bridge City Church. This morning, I'd like to talk about new beginnings. But before that, I'd like to pray. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the privilege and honour that it is to stand and share the word you have given me today. I pray that as I speak this message, you'll move in the hearts of all those that are listening, drawing each one closer to you, I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. New beginnings mean different things to different people. And I I understand that depending on where you are on your journey of life, you can also have a massive impact on what a new beginning means to you. You see, I'm not walking in your shoes, so I can only speak for myself. But at this time each year, I make New Year's resolutions and look at ways that I could do things differently. I look at how I can do things better than the previous year. I mean, for example, I want to have a better level of fitness. I want to be a better husband to my wife, a better father to my kids, a better son to my parents, a better employee in my workplace and just generally a better member in my community. You see, I want to have a greater impact on those around me. And as the year rolls out, there are goals that I want to reach. But these are my goals, goals that I have set for me, not goals, not God's goals for me. I mean, I have many great plans and ideas for me and my life, and I know that meeting some of these goals will bring a sense of achievement for a time. But do you think that God wants me to focus on my goals in my life? Or do you think God wants me to focus on the goals that he has for me? The plans and the purpose that he has for my life? In in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 it says, Don't you realise that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honour God with your body. I mean, there it is, written in the Bible, that I must honour God with my body. So as a Bible-reading Christian, he wants to honour God by becoming more like Jesus every day, following in his footsteps and doing what Jesus has done. I don't have a choice. I must honour God with my body. And how do we do that? It starts when we first wake from our sleeps in the morning. It starts when you prioritise your time, spending time in God's word and talking with him. See, for me, I start my day in his word. I open my Bible and I read, pray. See, some of you maybe may say you don't really know how to pray. But thankfully, in the Bible, Jesus tells us how to pray. 
Matthew 6, verse 6, tells us, when you, go, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will, <coughs> excuse me, will reward you. In Matthew 6, verse 8, it reads, For your Father knows what you need, even before you ask him. And then it tells us how to pray, and it even gives us the words to use. So when we don't know what to say to God, or are unsure of how to pray, or our situation seems overwhelming, simply open your Bible, turn to Matthew 6, and read from verse 9 onwards. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Rescue us from the evil one. See, One of the wonderful things about talking to God in prayer is that we can be completely honest. As, as he, he knows everything about us and he loves us anyway. He loves us despite all of our human failings. We know this as we read Psalm 139, verses 1 to 18. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I get down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. See, you made me. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous and how well I know it. See, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. 
They outnumbered the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. I mean, how absolutely amazing. I'll read those last two verses again. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Every morning when I wake up, God is with me to share a new beginning, to start fresh every day. And he, and he is there to, to lead me and to guide me as I, as I walk through the day. See, I like to keep an internal conversation going with God throughout the whole day when I go about my work. What should I say to this person, Lord? What should I do next? See, God is only too happy to give you the words when you ask him. We read in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15 to 21, In Jesus Christ, our lives are made brand new. He died for everyone, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. And a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. He brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. See, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And then he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak when we, for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I mean, how wonderful is that? So that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's amazing. You see, we, yes, we, are Christ's ambassadors. As a Bible-reading Christian, I'm given the wonderful opportunity to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And what do I have to do to become an ambassador of Christ? Nothing. Nothing at all. There's not a single thing that I have to do. Because as we read, as we read earlier, all of this is a gift from God. When we take hold of his word, which is his gift to us, we allow it to strengthen us from the inside out. And when we grasp it with both hands and hold onto it tightly, then his gift changes us. You see, God is God and he always will be. It is not God who changes, it is us. It is you and it's me who change. 
when we get our heads around the fact that God will not change, but that he simply cannot change. It has the power to change the direction of our lives. We learn that we are not to be dependent on people, not to be dependent on our circumstances or our job status or the size of our bank accounts or anything at all that, that we have done. See, we are to be, to be dependent on Jesus Christ and his word. As we read in Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 13. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. God says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. There really is no greater gift than to begin each day knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ is with you. Open your Bible at the start of your day and you will find him. Ask him to show you his plans for you. Ask him to reveal to you what it is that he wants you to be doing on this day. Ask him to show you who it is that he wants you to be praying for. Ask him how you can begin fresh, how you can put the past behind you and move forward. See, I know from personal experience, when you ask him to show you who it is he should be helping today, he will show you. See, my wife and I, during our prayer time, every morning ask God to order our steps. We ask him to place us wherever he needs us and for no conversation to be an accident. We ask for his words for the people he loves that we come into contact throughout the day. God will always answer a prayer like this because we are asking for his will in the lives of his people. You see, we are offering ourselves up to be used by him in whatever way he sees fit. His words. If you look for me, him wholeheartedly, you will find him. Rick Warren says, if you don't know God personally, here are some pointers that will help guide you into a relationship with God. God loves you and he created you to know him personally. The most, the most well-known verse in the Bible says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 3. Verse 16. You see, this life is not the end for us. This life is preparation for eternity. We have the freedom to decide where we want to spend eternity, with God or apart from God. See, God thinks that you are so valuable that he wants you to spend eternity with him. And the Bible says... This is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you have sent to earth, in John 17, verse 3. So what is it that prevents us from knowing God personally? The fact that man is sinful and separated from God, so we cannot know him personally or experience his love because of our sin. The Bible says, 
For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. In Romans 3, verse 23. I was going to ask you to visualise God. God in heaven, up here in heaven, a man on earth down here, with a great gulf separating the two. You see, man is continually trying to reach God and establish a personal relationship through our own efforts, such as living a good life, philosophy, religion. But it was fail. That is why Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. Through him alone, we can know God personally and experience God's love. You see, Jesus died in our place. In Romans 5, verse 8, it reads, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 to 6, it tells us that he rose from the dead. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. You see, he is the only way to God. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I now ask you to visualise that God has bridged that gulf that separates us from him by sending his son to die on a cross in our place and to pay the penalty for our sins. Yet it's not enough just to know these things. We must individually receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. Then we can know God personally and experience his love. We must receive Christ. In John 1 verse 12, to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. We receive Christ through faith. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We receive Christ by personal invitation. In Revelation 3, verse 20, Jesus Christ says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. See, receiving Christ involves turning to God from ourselves and, trust, and trusting Christ to come into our lives to forgive us our sins and to make us what he wants us to be, to give us a new beginning. But just to agree intellectually that Jesus Christ is the Son of God 
and that he died on the cross for our sins, it's not enough. Nor is it enough to have an emotional experience. See, we receive Jesus Christ by faith as an act of our free will. And this is how you can receive Christ right now, by faith, through prayer. See, prayer is just talking with God. He knows your heart. So you don't have to worry about getting your words just right. Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Saviour and Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Thank you, Father. The Bible, in 1 John 5, verse 11, promises eternal life to all who receive Christ. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. Thank God often that Christ is in your life and that he will never leave you. As we read in Hebrews 13, verse 5, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. You know on the basis of his promise that Christ lives in you and that you have eternal life from the moment you invited him in. An important reminder, every day, we have the opportunity to recognise that Jesus is with us. We have the opportunity to look at this day through new eyes, through a new beginning, and new opportunities to live like Jesus, to read his word and to thank him for all that he has done is doing and will ever do through you and for you. Max Ricardo says, God's mercies are new every morning. Receive them. Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. We thank you that we have the opportunity to begin every day anew. We thank you for your forgiveness and that you are a God of new beginnings. We look forward to your your leading and guiding us into this new year as we look to you, your word and your son Jesus. We ask you to lead us by the power of your Holy Spirit as, as we seek your plans for us in this new year and time of new beginnings. Father, we love you. We thank you, we praise you, and we ask this in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church. We'll come along to our Sunday service at 10am. 